0: Hi, everyone. Before we get started today, I want to encourage you to see a powerful film with an extremely important message. No, this is not a paid partnership or anything like that. I just think that the world needs to be aware of this movie and what it shows us. That film is The Sound of Freedom, starring Jim Caviezel. This movie follows the real-life story of Special Agent Tim Ballard as he seeks to rescue children from the very real and very tragic problem of child sex trafficking. If you can, go to your local theater and watch the film. Take as many people as you can with you. Let's open people's eyes to this problem, and then, maybe together we can end this horrible blight on humanity. And remember, God's children are not for sale. Hi, my name's Clayton, and you're listening to the Isaiah 43 Podcast where we explore how God has formed us, redeemed us, and how He calls us today. Each week, we will journey through Scripture to understand all that God has done and what exactly His call is for our lives today. Welcome to Week 25. This is a Bible study week. In this week's episode, we come back to our examination of the Reformed doctrine of TULIP. I know it's been a while, but last time we discussed the T in the acrostic, which stood for total depravity. You can find that back in Week 21, And before that, in week 19, we discuss the very foundation of this doctrine, which is the sovereignty of God. This week, we unveil the U in TULIP, which stands for Unconditional Election. Before we get into what exactly that means, let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to share your word and share this teaching that is based in the teachings that you have passed down for generations and generations, Lord. We just pray that today you will open our eyes to see that you chose us before the foundation of the world. And Lord, we know that sometimes this is not an easy thing for us to grapple with. Father, we understand that we'll wrestle with it, we'll struggle with it, but ultimately we have to submit to you. And we have to understand that your ways are higher than our ways. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts, Father. You chose us while we were still sinners. And there's nothing in any of us that should earn your favor, and yet you still want us. You still choose a relationship with us regardless. You still sent your Son to die for us. And so on this day, Lord, I pray that wherever people are, whoever they are, as they listen to these words spoken that you have given me, Father, I pray that they will be receptive of what it is that you have to say and that they will understand that you chose them and that you are working on them to this day. Father, we ask for your blessings in our life and wherever we go, Lord. Please let us be ambassadors of your great love. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right then. Unconditional election. What does that mean? And what does it mean for our lives? Again, to answer what unconditional election is, I think we should look at what David Still, Curtis Thomas, and S. Lance Quinn wrote in their book, The Five Points of Calvinism. Within their work, they write the following. Quote, As fallen creatures, they have no desire to have fellowship with the Creator. He is holy, just, and good, whereas they are sinful, perverse, and corrupt. Left to their own choices, they inevitably follow the God of this world and do the will of their father, the devil. Consequently, men have cut themselves off from the Lord of heaven and have forfeited all rights to his love and favor. It would have been perfectly just for God to have left all men in their sin and misery, to have shown mercy to none. God was under no obligation whatsoever to provide salvation for anyone. It is in this context that the Bible sets forth the doctrine of election. The doctrine of election declares that God, before the foundation of the world, chose certain individuals from among the fallen members of Adam's race to be the objects of his undeserved favor. These, and these only, He purposed to save. God could have chosen to save all men, for He had the power and authority to do so. Or, He could have chosen to save none, for He was under no obligation to show mercy to any. But He did neither. Instead, He chose to save some and exclude others. His eternal choice of particular sinners for salvation was not based upon any foreseen act or response on part of those selected, but was based solely on his own good pleasure and sovereign will thus election was not determined by con- by condition upon anything that men would do but resulted entirely from god's self determined purpose End quote. now that was a lot but i think it was all necessary for us to go over notice just how nicely it flows from not only from total depravity of mankind as we were called previously but also from the sovereignty of God. Now, soon we'll examine the Scriptures to see how they support this doctrine. However, there is more that I wanted to discuss. I want to examine how this affects us today. In other words, does it really matter? To answer that question, we should turn to Pastor Joshua Banks. In his exceptional book titled, Yes, It Matters, the Influence of the Doctrine of Election on Sanctification, he writes, quote, what we believe about this doctrine affects us in the area of our sanctification and therefore is for all of us to know and study. This is evidenced even by the simple fact that when the Apostle Paul writes to the church of Ephesus or Rome, he does not speak only to scholars and theologians, but to all within those churches, quote. He later adds, quote, some may relegate election to an issue of non-importance. However, as we have seen... It has profound impact on our lives, end quote. Okay, so what exactly are the effects this has on, the li- on our lives as believers? Before we get to that, I recommend that you check out the book for yourself to understand better and highlight these effects on a believer. It is well worth the read, and will introduce you to both sides of this argument, along with the scripture and understanding to help build your knowledge on the- of the doctrine of election. Now, as promised, let's get to some of how this affects our lives as believers. In the concluding chapter of Yes, It Matters, he writes, quote, Understanding this teaching rightly produces in us a considerable amount of praise and glory for Him. When we are enduring the trials of life, we can take courage that God is performing that which is appointed for. When we are tempted to treat the unbeliever with disdain, We remember what a gracious God He was in saving us and securing us while we were yet sinners. Dear Christian, this is not an issue to sidestep or to try to explain away. This is an issue to face head-on and to allow the Scriptures to show us the splendor of God in this teaching. It is a humbling reality to know that you did not choose God, but He chose you. It is a humbling reality to recognize that Christ died a real death for you by taking that wrath of God for you personally. It is a humbling reality to understand that my salvation and your salvation was not your own doing, but it was the will of the Holy Spirit of God to give you new life in Christ and to grant you faith that otherwise you did not possess. It is a humbling reality to acknowledge that every event in your life is not the cause of a plan B of God or random chances, but the sovereign King of all has decreed for these things to be in your life, that He would receive the greatest amount of glory from you. It is a humbling reality to accept that the only seeker in salvation is God. He uses us as the instrument to bring His people to faith and does so by His own power. It is not our ability to speak eloquently or convincingly that brings others to faith. All the credit goes to Him and Him alone." As we did when we studied total depravity a few weeks back, all of this is fine and dandy it doesn't matter if we're not rooted in Scripture. So now let's dive into the Scripture that showcases God's unconditional election in our lives. Now remember that unless the Scriptures I reference are not clear enough, I do not intend to expound on them. I want to highlight specific verses, and I've done my very best to ensure that none of them are taken out of context. So, let us begin with Exodus chapter 33, verse 19. As all Scripture reading has been here lately on the podcast, our readings will be taken from the English Standard Version, or ESV. So once again, Exodus chapter 33, verse 19. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Next, let's look at Deuteronomy, chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that is in it. Yet the Lord set his heart in love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them, you above all people, as you are this day. Now, this did not just apply to the people of Israel in the Old Testament. Christ affirms that there is an elect people in the gospel. Let's examine the words of Christ in the gospel of Matthew. Let's go to chapter 11, chapter 11, verse 27. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal to him. We also see that he again attests the, to the fact that God has chosen some and not others. He has elected those based on his own choosing. For this, we look at Matthew chapter 20, verse 15. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? And this is not something vague that was only mentioned a few times here and there. The apostles discussed it several times in the New Testament. Let's start with 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter two verses eight and nine. And a stumbling, a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word, as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Simon Peter is not the only one who wrote on this. The Apostle Paul wrote extensively on the subject matter, and seeing as most of the New Testament is credited to Paul's writings, this doctrine can be seen most in what he wrote. Through through his writings, we have much evidence for believing the doctrine of unconditional election. First, one of the most popular verses in favor of this can be seen in the book of Ephesians. So let's begin there with Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. We also see Paul write on this in both letters to the Thessalonians. First Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5 state, "'For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake.'" And second Thessalonians chapter two, verses thirteen and fourteen says, "But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the firstfruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this He called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. We also see Paul. Write to Timothy regarding this. In Second Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, he encourages Timothy by saying, Who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God." However, as Pastor Joshua Banks mentioned in his writings that we looked at earlier, the Apostle Paul explains this doctrine most clearly in the books of Ephesians and Romans. So we have much more to read from when it comes to Romans. Let's go in order here. We'll begin in chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 30. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose... For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined, to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. And then in Romans chapter 10, verse 20, Paul adds, Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. Lastly, we will look at Paul's writings in Romans chapter 9, verses 11-16. through 16. These verses are probably some of the most popular in regards to referring to Paul on the doctrine of election. Though they were not yet born, and had done nothing, either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of Him who calls, She was told, The older will serve the younger. What shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means, for he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then, it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. As it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. Now I hope that through all this examination of scripture, we can see how God in his infinite mercy and grace chose us before the foundation of the world. It should fill us with gratitude and praise so that we can glorify him with a full heart. If you're still wrestling with this, I encourage you to pray about it. Read the scriptures again and check out the resources I mentioned at the beginning of this episode. I pray that you will and that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Until then, may the Lord bless you and keep you. God bless.